Good morning. So first we'll be reading from Isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 to 5 and then Matthew 17 verses 1 to 27. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thickness and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you, so the riches of the nations will come. And then Matthew 17. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down on the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then did the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood what he was talking about, talking to them about John the Baptist. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. O unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed from that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him and on the third day he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax came to Peter and asked, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked. From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own sons or from others? From others, Peter answered. 
Then the sons are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not offend them, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Well, thanks for having me today as a guest uh, speaker. I've written you guys a couple of letters over the years. Hopefully you've read them. But I don't think I've ever spoken here before. I'm uh, Simon, or you might know me as Peter, or just The Rock. That's not my wrestling name, by the way. It's the nickname that Jesus gave me way back when. You know, some people think I got that nickname because of me abs. Why are you laughing? Seriously, I used to have abs. I didn't always have this pot belly. You know, people think fishing's all relaxing and easy, but it's hard work. But now that I'm, I'm nearly 60, well, let's just say my abs are ancient history. I can't believe I'm nearly 60. I mean, honestly, the time has just flown by. It feels like yesterday that I was just an ordinary bloke fishing when Jesus came along and told me to follow him. And he just turned my world upside down. But you know, for some people, they look at all that time that's gone by and for them, it hasn't flown by. For some people, they think it proves that Jesus just isn't coming back and they think it's a a joke that we're waiting for him. Let's be honest, they think we're a bit of a joke, that we're wasting our lives, that we put our lives on hold waiting for a king who isn't even going to show up. I can understand why they might feel that way, but believe me, it's no joke. It's no joke. I know it's no joke. Because I know what I saw with my own eyes and what I heard with my own ears. All these years it stayed with me. All these years. I know at any point, any moment, I'll see what I saw again. Either because I die or because Jesus comes back. I know what I saw. And so I can tell you without a doubt, Jesus is coming back to rule this world. I don't know when, but he's coming. Let me tell you why I'm just so dead sure about this. Let me tell you what happened. And I'll I'll use what Matthew wrote down. He's all right, Matthew, isn't he? And I especially like this bit. He basically just writes what I told him happened anyway. So let me paint you the picture, right? We've just figured out Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God. But then Jesus starts telling us that he's the Messiah who's going to die and then come back to life again. And you lot all read in, in Matthew's, that, that in Matthew's records and you think, yeah, that all sounds pretty straightforward. That all sounds pretty obvious, actually. Well, good for you. It wasn't obvious for us. It wasn't simple. God's majestic king, who's going to bring about God's final, perfect, powerful kingdom to this world, him suffering and dying at those small and petty hands of those hypocrites in Jerusalem it was just so hard for us to understand and if you were there it wouldn't have been any different for you and so yeah there was a bit of an awkward moment where I tried how should I put it Uh, I guess I tried to tell Jesus that he was getting things wrong it sounds bad when I put it like that actually it was bad I was stupid okay I, I thought I knew better than Jesus I thought I could see exactly who Jesus was I thought I could see exactly how his kingdom should take this world by storm. But I wasn't listening to him. Not properly listening. And when Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, 
I thought I'd blown it for good. Peter, the rock, sinks like a stone yet again. Well, I thought I'd blown it for good for a couple of days anyway. I've got a pretty robust self-esteem, so after a couple of days I felt okay again. Especially I felt okay when six days later Jesus taps me and James and John on the shoulder and he takes us on a special mission, just the four of us, up a mountain. I don't know if you realise this, but pretty amazing things happen on top of mountains. God appeared to Moses on a mountain. God appeared to Elijah on that same mountain. Now, we weren't climbing up that same mountain, Mount Sinai, but I still knew amazing things happen on mountains. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? That happened on a mountain. Oh, I guess that's kind of obvious, actually. But you know when Jesus chose us 12, us 12 disciples, did you know that happened on a mountain? So anyway, I'm thinking to myself, something interesting is going to happen on this mountain. But honestly, nothing in all this world could have prepared me for what did happen. Because what I saw was like nothing from this world. I don't even know how to explain it to you. I think Matthew writes, his face shone like the sun. I think they were, they were John's words actually. And it's true, that, that's what it was like. His face, his clothes, they were just painfully bright to look at. But words can't really capture it. Not my words anyway. Jesus, he was transformed in front of us. You know, Jesus just seemed so human. He was completely human. But what I mean is, even though he did remarkable things at times that, that blew your mind, he wasn't anything remarkable to look at. And even after he rose from the dead, he was still so human. He, he was still very much in a human body. But this was something else. This was a glimpse into a hidden power and majesty and, and being that, that, that you just can't imagine. A power and a majesty that, that belonged only to the living God. I can't describe it. I'm sorry, I just can't find the words. But I tell you what, I know what I saw. And that's why I know that no matter how much time goes by, 10 years, 100 years, 1,000 years even, 10,000 years even, it's not a problem. This is a king of such power and majesty that absolutely nothing can stand in his way. Nothing can stop him from ruling. Nothing is going to stop his kingdom from coming about. I know that. I saw that. You just wonder how he could stand to be there, veiled in a weak human body, standing among us, weak humans. And I reckon it was hard for him at times. Not so much the weakness of a human body or even the weakness of our human bodies. He was fine with that. It was our weak faith that really seemed to upset him. And you know, even there on the mountain, you could see my weak faith. No, it's true. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Probably should be, actually. Anyway, there I am. One of just three people in the whole world who get to see the Son of Man coming in power, coming in His kingdom, in this life. And you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking, finally, we've got some action. Finally, we're getting somewhere. We've got Moses. We've got Elijah. With these guys, there's nothing we can't do. I'm thinking cross before crown, suffering before glory, service before celebration. Stuff that. I don't even know what that stuff means. But give me Moses, baby. Give me Elijah. 
and Jesus. And with these three, I'm thinking, now we can take this world. Now we can see God's kingdom come in power on this earth. So what did I say? Look, I'm not normally someone who puts my foot in it. Okay, fine. Sometimes I speak before I think. And this time I really wasn't thinking. I say, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I was all like formal because Elijah and Moses were there. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. What was I thinking? I'll set up three little tents so they can hang out but also have some me time if they want to be alone. Why did I say this? Look, I don't know. My mind was just racing. I didn't didn't know at all what I was saying, but I do know what I was thinking. I was thinking, this is it. Let's set up camp here. Let's just get them to stay here because now the big guns have arrived. Can you believe that's honestly what I was thinking? Don't answer that question. And you know, while I'm still speaking, This cloud just encloses us and I'm literally knocked off my feet as a voice like you wouldn't believe shows that I've just completely missed the point. God himself announces to us, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Here I am blown away by Moses and Elijah, but they're just the support act. If that, they're groupies really. Moses, who gave us the law. Elijah, the greatest of all prophets. Just support acts to the main event. Jesus, God's loved son. I don't know how well you guys know your Bibles. But what God says here is is exactly the same as, as what he said when Jesus first began his ministry, when he was baptized. This is God telling us exactly who Jesus is. Now, at the time, I was just so terrified I couldn't take it in. But later, as I thought about it, I realized what God was saying. This is my son whom I love. That's Psalm 2, right? God was saying, this is the all-powerful Messiah who will rule the world. But then God says, with him, I am well pleased. That's a bit trickier, isn't it? Do you know who that is? What if I quote a bit more? Here is my servant whom I... I uphold my chosen one in whom I delight. Or you could say, with whom I am well pleased. Have you got it now? It's Isaiah 42. It's the suffering servant. And it's mind-blowing. There on the mountain, God was showing us Jesus is human, but so much more. The glory of God barely veiled in a weak human body. Greater than Moses. The fulfillment of the law. Greater than Elijah, the hope of the prophets. This is Jesus, the all-powerful Messiah, Son of God. And yet, here's the twist. This is Jesus, the suffering servant. The one who bears the guilt of his people and dies in their place so that they can actually be a part of God's kingdom. No one had ever brought these two together before. But God was showing us that this had always been his plan. We didn't need Moses or Elijah. We had with us the fulfillment of Moses and Elijah. We had with us the glory of God veiled in human weakness. We had 
everything already that we needed to take this world, to see God's kingdom unleashed on this world. We had everything we needed except for one thing. The one thing we were lacking, God told us, was this. He said to us, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen. Listen. Listen to him. You know, if my life has taught me anything now that I'm nearly 60, it's that it's hard to listen to Jesus. I see this in myself. I see it in people all the time. I mean, I went from being a fisherman to being a fisher of men. I've given my life to trying to win people for Jesus, trying to get people just to listen to him. But it's so hard to get people to do this. Even probably some of you here, you hear about Jesus, but are you really listening to him? As someone who saw him on that mountain all those years ago, can I say to you, he's real. His his authority is real. His kingdom is real. You will face him one day in all his power and glory, just like I did on that day. And here's the thing. You'll either face him and be welcomed by him, or you'll face his anger. You'll either be one of his people, or you'll have to give an answer as to why you dismissed this king. Listen to him. Honestly. I can confidently tell you, this king demands your whole attention, your whole life. Don't dismiss him with faint praise. He deserves more than that. Don't try to build him three little shelters in your life. Don't put him on the same level as anyone or anything. This is the son of the living God. Are you all he is? Listen to him. Believe me, if you were there on that mountain with us, if you saw who he really is, you'd take him seriously. And I know what I'm saying. I know I'm saying take my word for it. Take John's word for it. But that's honestly why we wrote down what we heard and what we saw. The evidence is there if you'll just listen to him. But like I said, it's hard. It's just so hard to listen to Jesus, to really listen. I thought I was listening to Jesus. But the truth is I was struggling. Even after seeing Jesus on that mountaintop, I was still struggling. Even as we walked down the mountain, do you know what we were talking about? Elijah. And Jesus keeps pointing us back to what we really needed to hear. He was going to die for us. And then he was going to rise again to rule for us. But we were missing it. And sometimes I hear people speak about this and they get, they get this a bit wrong. Because when I say it's, it's hard to listen to Jesus, I don't at all mean that's because he doesn't make himself clear. He's clear, all right. That's not the problem. The problem's not him, it's us. The idea that listening to Jesus means getting in tune with his guiding voice within you. That's not what I'm talking about. How can people say, I feel like God is saying to me, I mean, that's in danger of just putting a spiritual label on whatever we want to hear. That's not what I'm talking about when I say listen to Jesus. Trust me, I've heard the voice of God and I was on my face terrified. I didn't feel like maybe God was trying to tell me something. I felt like he was trying to hit me with a tuna fish over the head. And what God was telling me was listen to Jesus. 
not get in tune with his still small voice within me. Listen to what he was clearly saying. Hear him. Understand him. Obey him. You know how Matthew finishes his record of Jesus' life, don't you? It's on a mountain. And do you remember what Jesus said to us on that mountain? He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. What we were lacking, me, James, John, Matthew, all of us, what we needed was to listen to Jesus. And we needed to listen to him so that we could teach you and everyone else to listen to Jesus. So we could teach you to obey the commands that he was clearly giving us. And yeah, it's a struggle. It's hard. I mean, Jesus says stuff like, love your enemies. He says stuff like, don't lust, don't judge, don't be anxious. He says, love the little ones, be the servant of all. You can't tell me that it's just me who finds this kind of stuff hard. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, take up your cross. Die to yourself. Live for him. You can't tell me it's just me who finds this hard. But you know what? Thankfully, Jesus also tells us that even When we suck at all those things, let's be honest, he tells us that's exactly why he goes to the cross in our place, to give his life as a ransom, to shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And of course, that was the key thing that we needed to listen to, which we just weren't. Anyway, very quickly, let me tell you what happened next because it, it kind of illustrates how much we were struggling to listen to Jesus. So we get to the bottom of the mountain, right? And there's a crowd and there's a bit of a scene. This man is, is, is begging Jesus as soon as we arrive to heal his son because all the other disciples haven't been able to. And I'm kind of enjoying this moment. But Jesus is clearly frustrated. He's frustrated that he's surrounded by people who just won't believe no matter how many miracles they see. And he was frustrated with his followers, us as well. Because later the fellows asked Jesus why they couldn't drive out the demon. And Jesus said it was because they had so little faith. And then he says to us, all we need is faith as small as a mustard seed. And then we can say to the mountain that we've just come down, move and it will. And at first I was thinking, that's awesome. This is pretty exciting. Who needs Moses and Elijah if you've got that? But then I thought about what he was saying. Because if you've got faith less than a mustard seed, right? How much faith have you got? Pretty much nothing. He was saying we pretty much had no faith. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed and yet can move something on the opposite end of the spectrum, something as large as that mountain, what does that mean? It means that it's not so much how much faith you have, right? What matters is who your faith is in. Now again, some people, they get tripped up on this. It's not really about the quantity of your faith or the quality of your faith for that matter. It's all about the quantity and quality of who your faith is in. 
And what I saw on that mountain and what I'm trying to tell you today is that with Jesus there is quantity and quality like you wouldn't believe. Some people get tripped up on this because they think this is the way to get what they want. You know, I want to be healed. I want money. I want a smooth life. I want some woman or some bloke to fall in love with me. But Jesus has just said, if you want to follow him, you die to yourself and what you want. And you live for him. So praying in a self-centered way, a godless way, think about it. How is that having faith in Jesus? Faith in his plan. Faith in his promises. It's not. That's the point. It's making the same mistake that I made. But look, I'll be honest. I was enjoying watching them mess up for once instead of me. I was enjoying watching Jesus correcting them. But unfortunately, it didn't last long. Because a little bit later on, we're in Capernaum and, and some guys come past to collect the temple tax. And they're like, hey, Peter, your teacher pays the temple tax, doesn't he? And I could tell they wanted me to say yes. And you'd think by now that I would have learnt my lesson. But instead of going and seeing what Jesus thought and in not caring what those guys thought, instead I go along with them and I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course he pays the temple tax, guys. And then when I walk inside, Jesus asks me a question that shows that I was not listening yet again. There I was speaking for Jesus instead of listening to him. But like I said, it's so hard to listen for Je- to Jesus. Have you ever felt that temptation? Have you ever felt the temptation to speak for, in- for Jesus in a way that, that is saying something that he wouldn't actually say? Someone puts you on the spot and says, what does your faith say about sex before marriage? Or homosexuality? Or other religions? Or hell? Or someone says, you can't really believe the Bible, can you? Are you ever tempted to just kind of put words in Jesus' mouth? You know though, our willingness to listen to Jesus, it's only really of any value if we listen at those points where it's actually hard to listen. If we only listen to Jesus where it lines up with what the rest of the world is saying, then who are we actually listening to? I can tell you it's not Jesus. We should listen to Jesus, not speak for Jesus. We shouldn't try to introduce ideas that Jesus never did. And yet, I keep hearing about Christians kicking up a fuss about all sorts of things that have got nothing to do with what Jesus said. Like Jesus tells us to obey the authorities. Yet I hear people all the time talking as if Jesus would have us flaunt the authorities. As if we're somehow above them. Someone asked, does following Jesus mean you don't have to pay attention to the rules and restrictions that the government puts in place? And would we say yes? Now, I know they're Romans, but honestly, that's not listening to Jesus, who tells us to obey the authorities in everything except where we'd be flat out disobeying God. That's not listening to, that's speaking for Jesus. Anyway, I spoke for Jesus. And I got it wrong. Should the the king of the universe pay tax so that his temple can be maintained? Or would you charge your own kids tax to eat dinner at your house? Of course not. 
So why would God charge his divine son temple taxes? Yet again, I wasn't listening to who Jesus really is. But you know what Jesus did? And this just illustrates who he is beautifully. Although he's the king of the universe, he doesn't want to unnecessarily cause offence to these simple tax collectors who, who don't really get who he is. And so he tells me to go out and catch a fish. And sure enough, there's a coin in its mouth. And he gets me to pay the tax for him that he should actually be receiving from others. The king of the universe, in control of even fish, he pays what he doesn't owe because he cared about me and he cared about these tax collectors just doing their job. You know, no one brings power and humility together like Jesus does. No one. Look, all I'm really trying to say to you today is listen to Jesus. There's no one else worth giving your whole attention to. There's no one else like him. What other king has absolute power and glory like him? And yet what other king would suffer, die and be humiliated for you like Jesus? What other king rules right now and will bring into his kingdom whoever will listen to him and put their faith in him? No other king. I can tell you they just don't exist. No other king is worth listening to but Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for Jesus, that he is a king like no other. Lord, we struggle so much to see his true majesty and glory. And yet at the cross and at the resurrection, we have every reason to stand in wonder of the kind of God you are, full of power and majesty and might, and yet willing to lower yourself in Jesus, be humiliated for us in order to save us. Father, help us to really listen to Jesus, to put our trust in him, to do that at the hard points as well as where it's easy. And we pray, Lord, uh, that we would be a church that does this as well. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.